hand him to the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And welcome to another edition of the Spoiler Room. Welcome, my friends. Thanks for taking the journey down the stairs and pulling up a chair with us. Tonight, we are taking a look at the big, huge MCU film and probably my most anticipated superhero film of the year. We're talking, of course, about Black Panther. And I've got a great crew assembled here to talk about this uh, interesting and blockbuster hit. First off, he's back with us, Mr. Astro Radio Z himself. It is Mr. Derek Carey. Hello, Derek. How are you? Hey, Mark. Hey, guys. Glad to have you back in the spoiler room. And next to Derek is the lovely Andrew Shearer. Hello, Andrew. Hey. Hey, what's up, colonizers? <laughs> Well said, well said. And, and next to Andrew is the Bowtie Man himself, Mr. Paul Salzer. Hello, Paul. How are you? Hi. Uh, very good. I, actually, my ancestors came from the Hermit Nation. So. That's right. Paul is not a colonizer. It's <laughs> <laughs> that, that Bowtie shit that throws me off every time. <laughs> I'm actually part Native American. So oh, oh, yes. you were colonized. So all of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the out of white people hey now <laughs> my, my big toenail is mohawk yeah exactly i'm not going to tell you the percentage <laughs> my toenail is mohawk that's yeah, shit looks like b.a baracus <laughs> <laughs> wow this could be this is gonna be an interesting episode Yes, Black Panther has hit the theaters. And uh, let's see, um, Andrew, how would you, uh, would you like to give the synopsis of Black Panther? Hey, sure, man. So, uh, so Black Panther is actually a king named T'Challa. And this movie is about his struggles with, you know, his duties to his people and also his role in uh, helping the world at large because um, Wakanda, the kingdom, is a utopia and it's badass and they could help a lot of people do a lot of cool things or they could just stay cool all by themselves like they've been doing what do i do t'challa black panther <laughs> duties <laughs> and of course since it is a utopia there are those who uh have different ideas of how they should rule uh wakanda and what wakanda should do and uh, we run through a number of characters including a villain uh, played by Michael B. Jordan, called Killmonger. Now, uh, I tell you, when I first saw this film, uh, yeah, it was everything I wanted in this superhero film and more. Um, I, I pretty much enjoyed every aspect of it, outside of some of the CGI, but I was, I was truly blown away uh, by 
the care I thought was that was taken with this and and just how good it ended up making me feel at the end of the film this this is this is a, a, a feel good superhero film as well and there's a lot of messages going on in this film and and we'll touch on some of that tonight as well but I want to go down the line first and just get people's initials reactions of uh, how they felt when they saw this Paul uh, let's go with you first how did you feel after the uh, credits started rolling and you went past the two end credit sequences? Uh, first of all, I was very, very excited that the film was actually being presented. Uh, I, I, like you, was waiting for it to to finally come because he's just a wonderful character, Black Panther is. And I was just excited to see what their interpretation of it was. Uh, as for my first uh, impression of the story itself, I thought it was a well-grounded uh, story. It was definitely in our time. And it felt like it was part of the MCU. Uh, I love that they didn't try to go out of their way with strangeness. And I really did like the fact that we had two movies. We had uh, Ragnarok and uh, Guardians 2 that kind of acted like a like the palate cleanser. When you eat sushi, you know, you eat the ginger as a palate cleanser. Those yeah. two movies really allowed me to appreciate this movie so much more because the, this movie was so rich and 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 flavorful and i'm glad that i had those two movies because if those two movies were too similar to this movie i don't think i would have gotten the impact that i had and that was my first impression of the film as we were going through it so yeah nice and derek how about you after you saw black panther um i was to to put it mildly this was the movie i was looking forward to this year more than just about any other movie because uh, when it was announced he was in Civil War, I was beyond jacked. And then when he came in Civil War and he's kicking everyone's ass, I was like, dude, I want this Black Panther movie right now. I don't care about anything else. Forget about the rest of this nonsense. And uh, now here we are. We got Black Panther. And um, I'm mixed on it. I'm probably not going to be as as like glowing as all the rest of you are. I'm. This is not to say that I didn't really enjoy it because mm -hmm. I did, but maybe my expectations were a little too high going into it. And my main thing with all of these Marvel movies now, and I'm sure this will be disputed on the on the podcast here, is that. <sighs> they are allowed too much breath at times to just meander. And there was points in this movie that I, I was really loving kind of like the social message that was going on and uh, getting time with these really great characters. And then there were times that just like, man, this could have really just all been cut out. This didn't need to be here. And so my main thing walking away from it was that was a really cool movie. I loved the, the message of it but it was too long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so that's, but it's still black Panther. So of course I still liked it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my initial impressions um, where that I was, I, I liked it, but I was a little underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And and there's a, f a number of other people I've seen out there as well that were kind of the same way where they felt a, a little underwhelmed with some of it and felt that it did go a bit too long at, in parts and so uh there there are quite a few out there that uh would agree with you on that derek so uh andrew how about you i kind of know where you're going uh how you felt about black panther but why don't you tell our audience how you felt when uh, the credits rolled um well i was uh i was messaging with my uh, middle school best friend malik mohammed i met him in 
seventh grade and we bonded over uh, G.I. Joe file cards that I'd brought to class. And so we both loved public enemy. We both loved do the right thing. We just, we had a lot of discussions about race because he was like, I don't know any white people. So I was like, well, okay, what do you want to know? You know, so we used to talk about, and he was just like, I was like, is this the blackest movie ever made? He's like, I guess, I don't know. I think. <laughs> and I was like, is this not the movie? Like, would we have not just, you know, just exploded when we saw this, when we met each other in seventh grade, he's like, I can't, I don't even know what my life would be if I saw this when I was in seventh grade. And I was like, yeah, I got to keep that in my mind. You know, um, I was afraid going in that I would need to know too much from the other Marvel movies. Cause quite honestly, I don't really give a fuck about them and I haven't really seen all of them. So I love that it was like its own story and I need to know all of that shit, but I was surprised at um, the amount of female power that was in black Panther and that, you know, me, it just hmm, skated me right into, yeah, I could, I, could, I had trouble sleeping. I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is quite a bit of uh, uh, strong female characters in this film. Uh, that is for sure, which I will say was a very pleasant surprise uh, for me. You know, I really dug that, that it, they, had that in the script and in the casting and they, they went that direction, but at the same time, it didn't feel like, Oh, look at us, look at what we're doing type of casting. It just, they were just, they were just, yeah, they were just running shit. It it felt natural. Yeah. To the story. Yeah. They were running shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And apparently uh, I was reading up on it. I saw an article recently uh, today, actually about the warriors that are in, uh, Wakanda that are devoted to protecting the king. And there are actually uh, the Dahomey Amazons, a real life group of female warriors who were just as badass. They were wow. so badass that they were sent into battle the colonizers yeah. more than the males because they were that badass and the colonizers were more hesitant to kill women. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tell you and and their looks if you see pictures of them uh you could see how they modeled the warriors in wakanda after this uh group of uh, uh amazons so oh man y'all know i ain't been doing shit but posting articles that i read about that stuff <laughs> <laughs> oh i know i've seen i've seen your feed so okay. But uh, yeah, it just it is interesting. A lot of aspects in this film uh, that surprised me. But rather than hear me ramble on and, and dig deep in the film, we're going to start off yet tonight and do something a little different. We're going to get the uh, questions that or topics that uh, my crew here would like to talk about. And we'll, we'll start with Paul. Paul, what was a question or topic you wanted to bring tonight to the group uh, that we want to discuss about Black Panther? Okay, uh, my question is... Uh, are we given enough time to digest Marvel films now? Or, or do you think that they're being produced too fast and we just don't have, we, we, it's so fast that the, they're putting them out in so little amount of time that we can't really truly appreciate that. Cause I would have loved to uh, really appreciate this film, uh, you know, up to a year from now, you know, but it, it's, it, I just know that the next Marvel film's coming out in a few months and I'll be like, just I just know myself that I'm going to be like, oh, this is the greatest film ever, <laughs> and and I, I feel, I'll feel guilty about it, and, and I just want to know what the panel feels about that. Just, are we given really enough time to digest Marvel films now? 
Oh, good question. Do do we have enough time to digest Marvel films and even specifically this film because of how significant it really is? Uh, Derek, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you think? I mean, Infinity War is already just coming out in May and uh, Ant-Man and Wasp will be out in July. <laughs> I look at it and I look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, in the way that comic books are, because that's essentially what they are, is visual representations of comic books. And think about how fast arcs turn around in comic books. And I know that's not necessarily 100% fair because you're you're getting an entire arc in one film and then, you know, we're already moving on to the next thing. But because they are modeled now so closely off of the comic books it, it they all kind of run into each other so as as a kid i this was what i dreamed comic book movies eventually would become and i know there there are people perhaps even on this panel that don't wouldn't agree with me on this but i love and maybe it's because I do go to every single one of these. So I know what the, the going the through line is for all of the stories. Um, I love that they are it just like one after another. I could watch these all day, every day and be happy. I'd be fine with it. <laughs> and I love that, you know, it just like they all tie into each other. Now characters flow in and out of these movies. It feels like when I was a kid reading Marvel comic books. Now I get to see them in these amazingly crazy ass movies a few times a year. So for me, I, I guess maybe it's the same as just reading, sitting and reading a comic book. They're fine with me. I don't feel that any of them are necessarily all that dense that I need a lot of time to chew on them. Um, maybe I don't go into them with that mindset. I mean, obviously um, films such as Wonder Woman and Black Panther have social significance, and uh, there's there's a lot to chew on in that perspective. But at the end of the day, these are comic book movies. These are movies about people that dress up in leotards and punch each other in the face. So <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily need a lot of time to chew on these. I'm I if if I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of that entire rambly thing is. I'm glad we get tons of these movies every year and I'm not getting sick of them. So maybe I'm the outsider and I'm a Disney mark that just is like, <laughs> give me more of this shit <laughs> all the time. I, I thought I saw a Disney check stub when we were shooting <laughs> a hole in the wall. Now it all explains yeah, it. Okay. I may watch a lot of filth cinema, but I'll tell you, man, I am a comic book mark. I will go. I do go to every single one of these movies, and I look forward to every single one of these movies. <laughs> uh, Andrew, how about you? Do you feel that uh, we're getting too many of these? I don't think it would be possible because you know Derek uh, did an excellent job of summing it up. You know the um, fans of this stuff, the people who are following it, um, they expect more. They want more. They'll consume all of it, and happily so. And so to make them wait, um, you know, uh, years or, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's really kind of unnecessary because, uh, you know, they've got all these TV shows too and stuff like that. And uh, comic book fans are used to getting like monthly fix of all this stuff. So mm -hmm. you want to call yourself a comic book movie, you have to come with it, you know? <laughs> uh, but for me as a movie fan, 
I can pick and choose if that looks interesting to me. I'll just watch it. If it doesn't look like the same shit as the one I just saw, then I won't watch it. You know? Sure. Yeah, you you do always have the choice. Yeah, like uh, I, I I like Thor a lot. That last one uh, was really awesome. I'll probably buy it. I own very few Marvel movies. I own more than I thought I did, though, because apparently I forgot about Blade. I have those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, but uh, aside from that, you know, it's just like, I don't like having to remember a lot of stuff. Um, I think origins are more interesting than, than anything else. Pretty much. I used to, I didn't read Marvel comics, but I did read Marvel universe. Does anybody know what Marvel universe was? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like, it was like the index of everybody. And it told like condensed version of, you know, who they are and what they do and how they got their shit and all that. I loved that. I like collected Marvel universe and I loved reading it like a little encyclopedia. So, <laughs> you know, there's, I think there's something for everyone. And for the rabid fan, they got them too, you know? Yeah, you, you do. And and while I think it's a saturation, I think it's great if, if for comic book fans that they're just ecstatic to get so many of these nowadays. Uh, you know, me, I I don't think I don't think we're getting too many of them or they're coming out too fast uh, on the aspect of chewing on them because as Derek said too, I mean not all of them are uh, have stuff that you need to sit and chew on for a while. Now, Black Panther, I maybe like to breathe a little more than Infinity War coming in May. Uh, but the the issue I have more so with this in kind of regards to how often they're coming out is, and it relates to Black Panther, and I posted it on my wall, is the, the only thing with the cinematic universe and them ex- announcing what films are coming up is and I know it's a superhero film and I know it's just like comics and you didn't think the guy would probably die in the comics, but still you kind of lose that edge of peril for your hero. When you know that they've been signed on for three more films, (laughs) (laughs) but but you know that also going into comic books as well is that they have a monthly run, right? Unless there's some big event, like every summer they'll have that big event, like the X-Men versus the Avengers or the death of Superman or whatever. Do you know, it's just going to keep going on. Yeah. They're never going to end it. Plus they're for little kids. And so why would you send a little kid to watch his hero get killed? That's shitty. That's, that's true, I guess. Uh, but for me, I, you know, like for instance, for the pa- black Panther scene, I mean, we get that scene later on with Killmonger, uh, you know, showing up and taking on uh, T'Challa and and just owning that battle for the most part, <laughs> and tossing him off a waterfall. And yeah, you you kind of know he could come back, but the way it's written, you could easily see someone else picking up the mantle of, of Black Panther in in you know in lieu of T'Challa uh, being around. So you know, I guess I guess for me, it loses a little bit of edge. I get what you guys are saying, and yeah, with reading comic books, you got a Green Lantern unless. You know, you get that major event. You know that whatever peril or cliffhanger your issue hung on, uh, the guy it'll probably be resolved in the next issue. So there's not that. And plus, much. if you want to see black men die in a movie, there's a wealth of them for you. You know. Yes, I under. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Wow. That wasn't that. Wow. Also, <laughs> well, also with the character and speaking of Black Panther itself, and Green Lantern's also a good case for this as well. Is that the character set up and created in a way that it the character of Black Panther really can never die. Because mm-hmm. there can always be another Black Panther, the same way there's always going to be another Green Lantern, because it just passes hands. 
Right. So, you know, but I guess they, oh, go ahead. I, was, I was just going to say that, but, but in this movie, they cleverly uh, took away that, that safety net when, when basically Killmonger goes and says, just burn it all. Right. You know? Right. And well, that, yeah, <laughs> no! I mean, it's a, it's a powerful scene where Killmonger comes up and after he takes the, the, uh, uh, the flower, which I loved how they set this up in the beginning where we get a little back history and origin of why Black Panther is the way he is. And boom, that was it. That's all we needed uh, because they get their power from this flower uh, that <laughs> flower was a effective flower power, which was <laughs> affected by the, uh, uh, you know, the vibranium meteor. And now you had Killmonger burn them all. But again, it's comics. You could easily retcon that and go, oh, <laughs> well, grows we more. Yeah, you know, yeah, we had a exactly. secret cave. We had a secret cave somewhere where we actually had more of these, or we have spores. You know what I'm saying? So as much as it was, I'm like I'm easily sitting there going, "Yeah, if they really wanted to, uh, so <laughs> they could easily." Someone's just... got a basement supply and glory yeah. that they're no. right next to their dope. There's another level. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So even with that scene, I'm sitting here going. While it's cool, I'm sitting there going, yeah, if they really wanted to, uh, they could retcon it because it's comic books. I mean, comic books reinvent themselves like every six months nowadays. (laughs) Now I'm thinking of like a vibranium glow light. That (laughs) would be awesome. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's an excellent question. And and like you said, it's for me, uh, I don't mind as many comic book shows i what i liked about black panther and derek touched uh, on it and i think andrew touched on it too is the fact that you didn't necessarily need to see the other films to follow this one though this one still added though a little more subtly to the main storyline build up to infinity war and i liked how they did that because this film i looked at it especially going in the second time watched it and went you really don't need to have seen civil war or anything to really follow this story or appreciate it. It it is self-contained. It really only takes place in what, like two locations too. Unlike some of the other Marvel films, we we've only got Wakanda and then we've got Korea, Uh, you you know, so well, hmm? Oakland. Oh, there was Oakland. Yes, there is the Oakland flashback scene. You're right. So three in the end. Yeah. Three, and at the end. So there's three main locations. But I mean, like what? The one Avengers, they were like all over, they were global, <laughs> you know, they were globe trotting all over the world or whatnot, you know. Uh so I think keeping it limited to lo- locations as well helped keep the story contained. And uh, y- you know, y- it felt like its own movie, and, and that's what I really enjoyed about this story as well, that they, they were able to play with that. Yet you can see where they're going, especially at the end, which we'll talk about a little later. Uh, if one of you uh, don't bring it up, uh, you know, with uh, the setup for basically Infinity War. So, uh, Derek, let's go with you. Was there a topic or something uh, that you uh, wanted to bring to the group that you want to discuss about Black Panther? Yeah. Well, first things first, before before I say this, uh, Mark, I didn't stay for both of the closing sequences. Oh, you did. I never do. I no. never do. I I because most of the time they're bullshit, and I am of the mind now that because the end credit sequences for these Marvel movies are literally like ten minutes long, I'm not going to sit in a theater for ten minutes to to see a thirty second sequence that Shit. I'll just pop on YouTube and it'll be on there within like a week. 
I'm just maybe I'm impatient, but after drinking a huge thing of Mountain Dew and sitting for two hours, <laughs> me going to take a leak is far more important than seeing like a 30 second clip of, ooh, there's an Avenger. <laughs> That's yeah, it was so good. I didn't want to, I didn't want like Iron Man to show up and fuck it up. I'm like, there's enough white, you know, two or three yeah. white people, fine. Don't throw another one in there. So can we spoil this? And can you guys spoil? I saw the first one. What was the second one? Uh, Bucky. Bucky and Sheree. Sheree? 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 Sheree. Yeah. Sheree. Sheree is uh, basically what you got is Bucky comes out of a uh, hut and Sheree is there. She asks how he's doing and he says better. So it's implied that they've helped uh, take out his programming, whatever. Oh, okay. Psychic, you know, the, the uh, programming that he had, the, the triggers. Uh, can, can we just like here, not to, I, I don't mean to drag my section out here any longer. No, by all can means. we just get rid of Bucky already? <laughs> In the whole Bucky storyline, I'm sick of it. Dude, you're not the only one. The fact or at that at least let let him and Captain America fuck, get it over with, <laughs> have them fuck, let them get married, and go away. I'm done with the storyline. Well, I mean, come on, you know, freaking Civil War. The whole setup of Civil War in the movie universe is the fact that it was from the bromance of Captain America and Bucky. Yeah. It, you know, it wasn't anything really. I mean, the accords, they snuck it in there, but it really was the bro love between. And I'm like, dude, seriously. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail this, but I, mean, oh, okay, but but yeah, is, is I don't, that's one thing I just don't do anymore. I don't yeah. stick around for the end credit little blurps. I just, sure. I'm sick of them. I'm just like, I, I think guardians started a good precedent by making them happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. By not making people wait until the very end of the film to see them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and well, and everybody was kind of disappointed in these because again, they're like, Oh, this didn't set up much or whatnot, but the, they never uh, the, do. the first end credit sequence is basically Wakanda opening its doors to all of its technology, just like at the end. And you're like, well, that's going to be a setup. So they have some at least weapons that could possibly take on Thanos's army. Uh, you know, <laughs> no. so they're, they're opening. Well, they're opening up that door to you know, so that by the time we get to probably Infinity War, at least the you know, hopefully some of the bigger cities have been a little bit more advanced thanks to Wakanda's mm-hmm. contributions. Well, see, I was more. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Paul. I was just gonna say they're gonna have the technology, and it's just going to make Thanos look that much tougher when he like defeats all of those defenses that's what i'm expecting thanos is just going to destroy everything anyway so <laughs> exactly it matter but i i took that first one as more of just still tying in along with and i obviously it's a spoiler room so we're going to spoil we can spoil whatever um the social consciousness of the ending of this film right where he's finally he's that was the big thing <laughs> i'll get to my question eventually here mark um <laughs> That was the big thing that I loved about this movie at the end was that this was a character that really, truly had an arc, had went through some trials and tribulations and had learned from his mistakes and from his experiences and decided to do the right thing. It's a superhero that wants to actually make a difference, not a superhero that just wants to eradicate evil 
It's a superhero that wants to make a difference on a very person per person societal level. And that first um, post credit scene where he's in front of the UN and he's saying how he's, they're going to open their borders. I thought was more tying into that than the overarching Marvel storyline. Good. For, yeah, that is. Yeah. And it, you get that fun little line where what can farmers uh, contribute and <laughs> you know, the whole audience and, and, and he are in on it. Like, Oh, Oh, we got something to show you. Uh, but to, to me that, that whole thing of uh, T'Challa and Wakanda, are very much in parallel with each other because Wakanda and T'Challa have to balance their, the traditional ways along with responsibilities of today. And they also try both to find their place in the world. And just as in this movie, T'Challa finds all of those answers. I think they needed that cutscene to basically show or finish off the parallel with Wakanda, yeah. you know? I agree with you, Paul. I, that's exactly how I took it too. Yeah. How about you, Andrew? <laughs> You've been a little quiet, but uh, <laughs> how how do you think yeah, you felt about that little end credit sequence? And uh, did you think it kind of added to the commentary and the arc of the characters? Yeah, it was a good ending. Like I almost didn't stay, and I was glad that I did that for the first one. I I didn't see that other one, but again, you know, I read about it, and I was like, who's these? Like, I didn't even remember anything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that doesn't mean shit to me. So, okay. <laughs> so Nobody needs to know anything about Bucky. All yeah, you need who, to know is Bucky you know and saying? Captain America have been meaning to get it on for movies now, and they just need to get it over with. <laughs> well, you know that You know that slash fiction is out there. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is the URL of that, Andrew? I'm typing it in right now. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's not me that would know that, but... I would read it if somebody gave that to me. <laughs> so fans of the spoiler like, room, get a hold of Andrew at Godzerific.com and send them all the, the Bucky slash. I think the URL is I'm Bucky. I'm here to fucky.com. <laughs> I'm Bucky and I like to fuck. I like to fuck. <laughs> I'm rare into fucky. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay, Mark. So, okay. So here's my here's my actual question, Mark. Okay. And the and topic I wanted to bring up sure. um, is... And maybe it's just an overall uh, topic to think about when concerning not necessarily just um, Black Panther, but all of these superhero movies that now we've reached a point where um, these companies are no longer super concerned. And maybe it's because of the length of the films and there's a lot more character stuff in them with having these superheroes be masked and in full costume. Now, there are all these sequences now within these films where the characters are in their costumes are full CGI and we no longer get really any hand-to-hand combat with people in <laughs> outfits anymore. Um, my main thing, the, the if I was going to gripe about anything, obviously past the length of the film, was that the final battle of this film fell flat for me because we were watching two CGI characters fly around. <laughs> and I was wondering, and I wanted to present to the panel, do you think because it's so easy for them to just do this now that we're kind of losing out on a little bit of the the person-to-person -person tactile interaction in these final epic battles that now they're just becoming these big C CGI extravaganzas where... Really, it feels like nothing's at stake and everything's just kind of flying all over the screen. Um, 
that's kind of what I wanted to bring up. You think the CGI is just, they've gotten so used to doing this now that it's just kind of, it, it loses all its impact. That's a good question. Uh, let's uh, go to Andrew first with that, because I know CGI puts him to sleep. <laughs> well, yeah, it does. In a lot of these movies, I do nod off, but Black Panther, I didn't because I cared so much about what they were doing and what I was seeing. I was just so blown away by the whole experience that uh, that part to me, uh, you know, I was just like, this is exciting. But it's also kind of par for the course with the uh, kids movies. Let's face it, and that's that's who the audience for this really is. You know, it's not us. Mm-hmm. If uh, you know, got got to kind of keep that in mind. They're used to seeing that. They're used to playing video games and all the other stuff. So, you know, um, Rachel Morrison, the cinematographer, is the same one that was uh, with uh, Ryan Coogler on uh, Fruitvale Station and in Creed. Creed had awesome fighting scenes. Mm-hmm. So, had he had full reign and been able to do it and turn in the kind of movie that Marvel wanted and you know, given license to have the fight scenes like the ones in Creed probably would have done it, you know, but, uh, I think Marvel just, uh, fucking, what is it? 2018, you know, six years ago would have just went, no way. Could we even do Wakanda? No way. Could we even tell this story? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think as time goes on, uh, these effects will get better. And, um, you know, as successful as some of the indie directors will go, they may give them a little bit of wiggle room to make, uh, their own style come through but as long as these movies all have to match each other and you know have there's certain things that they just have to be like like this can't look and feel too terribly different from the avengers or thor or any of that other shit um you're going to continue to see that you're going to continue to see that and audiences obviously don't give a shit <laughs> no they don't seem to anywhere because it's become the more standard and after what 10 years now of mcu films you have a whole generation of kids who have grown up on these films and are used to what they're seeing the cgi suits and set and i will say most of the cgi looked good in here there is uh, some spotty effects when you get into the bigger stuff yet that maybe they were pushed into the timeline and this uh, end fight you do get some physical hand-to-hand uh, but you do get the CGI suits on them with it disappearing and reappearing and that with the uh, in, inhibitors to the uh, vibranium, which I thought was an interesting uh, angle. But the minute they brought it up earlier in the film, when uh, she's talking about it, I'm like, oh, that's going to come into play later <laughs> in the film. The minute they talked about, oh, well, I created these things to deactivate vibranium. I'm like, well, I know where the final battle is going to take place here. <laughs> Just because uh, that wasn't a bad thing. It's just like, oh, okay, yep, and sure enough. And yeah, you do get the CGI suits in there, which I think were a little bit uh, distracting. But overall, I still was digging the action sequence. How yeah, about you, you were, dude? When What's you were thirteen, homie, when you were watching movies and like like that you like with special effects, you're like, fucking hey. Now you watch them. How many of them got corny ass effects in it? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. You know what I'm yeah, I think my main thing and why I brought this up is because there are so many really great hand-to-hand physical combat sequences, like the one in uh, the casino with Okoye where she's just destroying people and it feels like, um, oh, I can't think of what that film is. It feels like some of the Tony Jaa stuff, like yeah, really chocolate yeah, like yeah. kinetic and, and really fun. And then that final battle between Killmonger and black panther are just two cgi characters floating around beating each other up and it just doesn't have the same kind of 
feeling to it. And while I like wire foo type stuff, this still felt even more floaty than wire foo stuff. <laughs> the the fight earlier between Killmonger and and T'Challa was so much more, I think, impactful. Not not just for where it was in the film, but the fact that it was them out there just beating the snot out of each other with um, weapons and shields. <laughs> And, but it felt real. And you're right. All that, that the casino fight. Holy crap. I love that's one of my favorite sequences where she's just beating the snot out of each oh, other, yeah. uh, out of everybody with that spear. And uh, the music fed along well with that. Yeah, that that was great. Uh, Paul, how about you with the uh, CGI in that? Well, I think the problem was that they painted themselves into kind of a, a digital corner because of the fact that they set up the scenario where, oh, they had nanite suits. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool that the effect, the CGI effect of him storing the kinetic energy and being able to use that. I loved that. But in the final scene, when they had to have the nanite suits fail, like, um, uh, like Mark had suggested, they needed uh, they they needed it to kind of like fail in different places and then come back. I think it would have been too expensive for them to try to make that in in a regular type of uh, an actual practical suit doing that, or it just would look like really fake that the hole was always there. And so I think if they would have, they should have just changed the scenario where the inhibitor would uh, eliminate the ability of the nanite suit to absorb. The, the kinetic energy and stuff like that and not have it fail like that. It just, it's weird to make an, an armor for in the first place that makes holes when it yeah. fails. It just, that was kind of a stupid thing. <laughs> um, I almost would have liked it had the armor just disappeared. Like, yeah, that would have been, that would have been even better or just have it just a solid thing where when they punched it actually mattered that they punched, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so I, they could have entirely done away with it if they didn't have that scenario. But also, too, they had they had to have the train going through there to make kind of a, um, you know, kind of an in, uh, different places of peril. And so I think because of the train going by really fast, it just would have been it was just cheap and convenient for them to do it in CGI. Oh, God, and it's also so possible. Much. There was so much CGI going on in that. that battle. Yeah. And it's also <laughs> possible that because it's a, it's Disney and Marvel studios, they might've had a deal with the, with the companies involved that, Hey, you know, we, we have to funnel money into these departments. You know, I'm just thinking Disney's like, it's gotta be a certain percentage of a cartoon or, or fuck it. You can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, I just my my gripe is when the cinematography style changes. Yeah, you know, I I think that calls the attention unnecessarily to the digital effect, mm -hmm. uh, and in other ways it wouldn't because like you think about Arrival or uh, or uh, or Blade Runner twenty forty nine, the cinematography stays the same throughout the film despite the fact that you're seeing digital effects, and I think um, you know that that weightless issue that a lot of us have with all of them, and you know the clearly like you know completely digital environments. It's all kind of like calls more attention to itself when the camera is then taken away by a Rachel mm -hmm. Morris and then given to some animator. Yeah. Well, you kind of get that in this final battle sequence, which you know what? Another prop to black Panther writers. We didn't have the major battle within the city with massive collateral damage. It all <laughs> took place on this mountain outside of the technologically advanced city. So <laughs> the city pretty much and the inhabitants stay intact. So kudos there. 
but you really get that this final battle is actually working for me with them fighting with each other and that and the uh, female warriors coming out to take out the you know uh, the other guys who are uh, attacking Black Panther and everything's working but then the rhinos show up <laughs> and I don't get me wrong I loved the rhinos show up and it gets you get one of the best seeds in there with uh, uh, I forgot the uh, warrior's name who just stops the rhino in its tracks um was that o- okay okoye okoye um uh, and i'm horrible with names i do apologize to everybody involved i'm polish leave me alone um but <laughs> uh i i thought the fight was fine where it was all still hand to hand and stuff and even with the digital shields that okay that's still working for me but then when the rhinos came up and started tossing people was where the special effects for me kind of took me out of it a little bit when it was tossing people i'm like okay yeah, now you're you're kind of you, you kind of took me out of it because up until then, when it was still hand to hand between all the warriors, that was some badass scenes right there. And it so you don't some... want a toy of of Okoye that comes with the rhino that she can kick its ass. Oh, you of don't course I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, of course I do. I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't, right? Who just yeah. doesn't want a figure of Okoye? <laughs> well, dude, I, I'm getting it. I got a T-shirt of her in the mail. I'm not even fucking around. I found one. <laughs> Cool. I kind of like cannot stop thinking about her. <laughs> and uh, we actually have a couple of viewers in uh, Bloodsport mentioned that uh, they en- uh, he enjoyed the uh, uh, T'Challa uh, being, you know, tricking Eric and, and actually getting to stab him. And I will say I enjoyed that angle of how they they, they finished the villain like that. Uh, you know, that's where the openings in the armor, I guess, take, you know, uh, play into effect. Uh, so there, there is that, and and they did make it work within the plot. But uh, as far as how it looked, though, um, it, it's they're still getting there with that humans in digital costumes. I mean, even in Doctor Strange, I love Doctor Strange. Don't get me wrong, but the cape, you're like, you know, that CGI. <laughs> you know, it looks, it still looks CGI interacting with live action. There's still some things with the wearable CGI stuff that they've they've got to work on. Uh, you know, that's why I was glad uh, Suri's uh, was a Panther can hand cannons were real. Those <laughs> looked awesome. <laughs> hey, and in 3D, did you see it in 3D? I did not get a chance to see it in 3D. Them hand cannons in 3D, man. Whoa. That's a lot of these digital effects look better in 3D. Like the cape in Doctor Strange was trippy as shit. They were <laughs> great. It, it, yeah, no, it looked a lot better, but it was only a single effect and he was, he, it, wore around his neck you could still tell it's a little bit cgi in spots but in this one with the spots i can definitely see what derek's talking about that the full cgi but um you know it's still at least they worked it into the plot and uh they could have approached it a couple different ways but uh, it still made for an interesting uh ending to a film especially with him uh, not completely dying and taking him up for the sunset scene which i thought was a really interesting scene for a superhero film like this with a with a villain and the hero uh, showing you how T'Challa is actually kind of a, a unique superhero. Like, uh, you know, we've said before where he actually kind of wants to change things. He's not just about winning. Uh, well, I he, think he, that- he loves him. He's a he's a family member. There yeah. was you could tell that he was very like distraught over the entire thing. I mean, obviously he had something he had to do, but I bet you if things were different, he would have wanted to try and understand him more and ha- and work together. I mean, that's kind of the point of his character, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Well, and he also showed that in uh, uh, Captain America Civil War when he didn't allow uh, the villain there to kill himself, you know? So it shows that his character is very solid and based on on an actual principle that that you know they didn't just change it from movie to movie mm-hmm. you know so that was great too. Well, and he didn't kill, and he didn't kill Umbaku in the first challenge when he yeah. shows up and he takes on Umbaku uh, Umbaku who's a great character <laughs> uh, and we've got this first first fight scene and you know he. He's like still kind of talking the guy out of it. I mean, here we have a superhero who tries to talk every opponent he has out of fight and going, hey, we could do this a different way. Uh, Andrew, am I off on that or is T'Challa that type of guy? No, nah, man, he's there's so many things that the movie was saying about violence. You know, the fact that um, there's no guns in Wakanda. Christ. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Fucking Other than hand shit. cannons. Well, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, they you know, like the, they, they're not a like a, a gun-based thing, you know? And uh, yeah, they said, well, she said something about guns being primitive. You mm-hmm. know? It's like, well, that, she, that based, is, she based those hand cannon things on, on the drilling technology that they had. So, you know, the yeah. sonic drills. So, yeah, it just, to me, that they, they were saying a lot with those things, you know? And, uh, you know, his, um, the, the, um, Killmonger's philosophy versus his <laughs> philosophy. You know, I mean, it's it's not. There's going to be people writing papers about this. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's just there's so much more there than really <laughs> needed to be. Like, it could have just been a fun movie and still been a very important one. But the fact that there are these layers to it, um, and children could still enjoy it, um, that just shows it's a brilliant what it's been done. Well, I mean, and you have those themes throughout this film in in fighting. T- <laughs> There's a lot of messages in here being spoken by characters you would not expect that could be applied to the real world. Like there's the discussion between um, uh, who is it between uh, Wakabi and T'Challa when they're out by the rhino pen mm-hmm. about uh, immigrants and that and the conversation they have i'm like wow i did not expect this kind <laughs> of you know discussion to be within the middle of of this superhero film where you have the type of dialogue going between the two sides between t'challa who is considering it and wakabi was like yeah if you invite them in you invite all their problems like wow that just sounds like five different people you've heard on the internet right <laughs> that, you know they're, they're talking about discussions there uh you've got other ideas too where holding on to tradition and traditional thoughts is that a good thing or you know should you try to work with today and change your way of thinking you know i mean that's kind of the overarching of wakanda not uh, not just t'challa that hey maybe we do need to not take such an isolationist and build a wall around our country. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff in here being said by characters that I honestly did not expect some of these messages to come across considering the characters uh, that we have in here. And, uh, you know, is that surprising, Paul, some of the discussions they have in here? No, because this is the, this is the one film with the exception of Thor uh T'Challa is like the one character that has 
like royal responsibilities, you know, mm-hmm. and you would expect him to be able to to take on those type of responsibilities. You don't see that with Thor because Thor was kind of the 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 kid and he he eventually gets into the responsibility. But T'Challa, he starts out that way. Like he is responsible. Mm-hmm. He is trained all his life to be a leader. So all the problems that a leader has to face, he has to face. And that's why this movie can really uh, dive into it where the, all the other films, it wouldn't make sense for uh, Captain America to, to really talk about these type of things in, in my mind, or, or especially like uh, Peter Parker talking about these things would just be like, why are you talking about this thing? You should have <laughs> problems of what's, what's on Netflix, you know, that sort of discussion. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, it didn't surprise me at all. What about you, Derek? Did the discussions, kind of the topics, you, you mentioned the social topics that it uses uh, to bring up in here. Uh, did it kind of surprise you with the characters uh, that we have that it was brought up the way it was? Nah, not really. I kind of expected it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in general, the Black Panther character and the whole idea of Wakanda is mostly about social constructs and about uh, the interactions of people and maybe um is isolationism uh better i mean what is our social responsibility on a global scale Mm -hmm. um i I think these these are things that are intrinsic to the black panther character and it it, it didn't surprise me at all um i i had a feeling that's what it was going to be going in so i was Mm -hmm. i was glad that it wasn't a really superficial film I mean, in in a lot of ways, I mean, it's still a beat 'em up kind of movie, but right. um, it's always nice to see these movies kind of have a little depth to them. Um, so yeah, no, it was good. I liked it. And it how about surprise. you? How about you, Andrew? Uh, was this kind of what you expected as well? Kind of having some of the social commentary in here and the discussion that they had. Yeah, you know, I look forward to the day when you could just. You know, a black person could make a movie that doesn't have to do that, right? You know, no, I get I it. Mean, there was, and the same thing with with Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman. There were so many things that it had to be, mm-hmm. in addition to being a, the biggest success ever. You know, they're not going to let him make another movie if it was a bomb. Like white people can make a hundred bombs and still get a million dollar, you know, movie deals. They can't. You know, yeah. Wonder Woman had to be massive success. Black Panther had to be massive success and they had to be everything they had to be ultra you know uh with their message they had to be you know what i'm saying they had to be better right than one of those movies is expected to be because of that and so i look forward to when they don't have to be no i i get you too it'd be <laughs> nice too when uh, uh we have that where uh it, it, a film doesn't feel like it has to put that in there for the expectations um you know, and that kind of goes, it kind of goes along with uh, what Andrew, you and I were talking about with kind of with posse mm-hmm. in that, you know, kind of putting everything into the one film because you're not quite sure if you're going to get another chance to do something like this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if it's not a success, holy crap, we won't be able to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And and luckily Black Panther is a success. So um, <laughs> blowing, blowing box offices up, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, left and right which is awesome so and uh andrew how about you uh did you have a question or topic we haven't talked about you want to do address tonight i who freaked out when they saw the public enemy posters (laughs) (laughs) guilty (laughs) 
I, I went right I, back to 92. <laughs> <laughs> I I was the same way. I, I you know what? I missed it the first time I watched the film, but the second time I was like, oh holy crap, there's a public enemy poster right there. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's not my actual question. No. <laughs> that ain't not my actual question. My question is, I'm gonna go down the line and everybody just you know wrap your favorite public enemy song. No, that's not that's not oh, that geez. it. <laughs> that's not it either. Um I'm starting to think. Christopher Nolan's Batman movie, and I'm eating candy, so sorry. It's okay. I went I went across the room to open the pack, um, so I wouldn't get on the thing. I'm sorry that Christopher Nolan's Batman movies are the worst thing to happen to superhero movies, because you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. They give an old people a feeling of entitlement about all comic book movies, you know. And I, that's just what I think. I mean, what do y'all think? No. Oh. You think it set a uh, a unusual precedent that kind of kind of changed the landscape of expectations for old people for their yeah comic they're like oh it's not serious enough mm-hmm. you know it's not hardcore enough it's not for me it's too you know I think I think little kids should be able to watch more of them than they can you know a buddy of mine is like her kid loves Marvel loves the characters but the movies are so fucking you know they're too violent you know yeah. And she was like, could I take her to Black Panther? You know, she saw Thor. I'm like, no, you can't. There's there's stabbings and people bleeding out and getting shot and die and necks breaking. And no, you can't take her to that. And, you know, obviously, I'm trying to tell somebody how to parent. But you know what I'm saying? Like old people <laughs> seem to like geeks, especially old geeks. They seem to like thinking like because the Nolan Batmans are such a big success. There's still this and it's worse than the DC camp than it is in Marvel. There's this idea that that's the template for what a superhero movie should be in order to be successful and taken seriously. Do superhero mm. movies need to be critical success? Do they need to be taken seriously? Can they be fun? And is that the the still the high mark of what a superhero movie should be, period, across the board? Or should old people kind of go fuck themselves and let kids just have fun? <laughs> Derek, should old people just go fuck themselves and let kids have fun? Or I mean, they gave you Logan. You know, they did you can have Logan. a Logan here and there. <laughs> you can have your Punisher and your Logan. Christ, well, they, they there isn't that saying "never trust anybody over 30 I mean, for no reason. Right. <laughs> so fuck the old people <laughs> completely. Of course, I I'm going to be a weirdo, and uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies really, in general, don't do it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just don't. I. That's why I like these Marvel movies. I like my superhero movies to have whimsy and fun and be fantastic and be serious when they need to. But I, they're escape for me. And some of my favorite superhero movies are just that. They're out there. They take chances. I know this movie, this series has been brought up a lot because obvious racial connections <laughs> to Black <laughs> Panther, but Blade is uh, one of my favorite series of any comic books because it's just so out there and so ridiculous. It's serious, but it's also very camp. Um, and Spider-Man, I've been a Spider-Man fan since I was a little kid, and those Sam Raimi movies have always been like I know this is unpopular for some reason all of a sudden I learned everyone hates those movies for some reason I don't quite get it I I maybe I just was like I watched them in a bubble and thought man 
these are fucking awesome. What the, uh, my lifelong dream has come true. <laughs> Spider-Man's on a movie. And uh, then every all comic book fans said, no, that's the worst. That's not what Spider-Man is. Blah, 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 blah. Nah, they love that shit when it was new. Of course mm-hmm. they did. Of course they did. Now everyone, now everyone likes a Spider-Man that has a Iron Man suit. So go figure. No spider sense, but a Iron Man suit. But anyways, <laughs> um, I personally would rather go for something like what Marvel's doing right now, where each movie kind of has its own identity, but also still has a through line to it. Um, I mean, the movies are different from movie to movie. You got Thor has its own kind of identity, even though now it's starting to go into more of the comedic areas and ant-man is different than this is and different than the captain america movies are and i kind of dig all that shit but the a big thing which is funny why you brought up uh the christopher nolan batman movies was and i thought this as i was walking out of black panther was that here we have a character that basically he can do anything in the world because he has the resources in order to do so and he chooses to help people with his money as opposed to his fists and we have batman probably <laughs> the most popular superhero in the world i mean barring a few other characters like spider-man and other things like that and he chooses instead to use his money to make his fists better. Mm-hmm. So I personally, I'm going to tell you this, and this may be wildly inappropriate and uh, <laughs> unliked. Fuck Batman. <laughs> Black Panther kicks his ass in every fucking way, shape and form. It's just like, what? A, what's the better message here? Mm-hmm. Well, they should improve. You know, they should improve every time. You know, we should the 2018 character should be more like Black Panther. You know, the Batman is old. Batman Batman is old school and he, he still is old school in his ways of thinking. Now, uh, I'm a huge Bat fan, but you make a very good point and a very good argument. And I would say, yes, if you want to put them up against each other, Black Panther is by far the better superhero than Batman. But the Black Panther, especially we get now, is of a different era than Batman. And they just haven't felt the need to change him yet, Batman yet, because every time they start to, the fan base goes, oh, you know. Yeah, but they, you know what, man? And I know I told you this before, and this is, you want to talk about unpopular opinion. This is why I think Batman Forever was the best one, because it showed him as being nuts. <laughs> well, did. Batman is nuts. I think that's the whole point of the character. He's totally like a schizophrenic. He was nuts in that movie. I like that one. <laughs> like as a you know, as a grown up coming back, I was like, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Batman is, is nuts. <laughs> well, he was man in that one weird. He's <laughs> fucked up. He just really was fucked up. <laughs> it, actually, well, even with uh, our. Yeah, Black Panther 2 is not a a screwed up superhero. uh, Big DC issue is a lot of people have is that most of the superheroes there are screwed up. And well, even many of the superheroes in the Marvel Universe are screwed up because of some tragedy or whatnot. And while we did have the tragedy here of his father dying, Black Panther in general, though, did not go all psycho because his parents died or go on some huge, you know, his dad go on a, a, you know, a huge like, 
violence bender. Instead, he's got to go back and, and lead his country, which I loved. I loved the fact that we have a character here who has had loss, but it did not damage him in some way. But he was also raised by that parent. I mean, he he had two loving parents that, yeah. you know, did raise him and gave him the all the opportunities that every human being should be allowed to have. And that just goes to show you what happens when humans are able to have all the opportunities that they should have, you know? Which made Killmonger even that much more of an interesting villain mm -hmm. as a counterpoint, because in a lot in a lot of the MCU films, the villains are like just, you know, uh, the, the superhero with maybe, you know, slightly different powers, but still, but here <laughs> we get some death with Killmonger because he's from a different environment where he didn't have anything. <laughs> and so he, he fought his way everywhere because that was what he had versus T'Challa. And so I always, I, I thought these two were really interesting polar opposites and how they approached uh, the problems of the world and, and solving said problems was also reflected in that environment that they were raised in. Yeah. Cause like T'Challa prefers to work together with women and uh, Killmonger wants to choke them all. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Killmonger <laughs> uh, was from Oakland and, and uh, you know, that's, that's exactly. Are, uh, are you making generalizations about people from Oakland, Mark? No, he learned that it's not <laughs> entirely. I was You're saying he took the wrong message away from it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. I was, I was not. Oh, Jesus. There you go. No, I wasn't. I was that it, it was the environment that he came from was very different from the environment that T'Challa came from. And they approach their, their how to solve problems differently. Um, you know, it, it, they kind of both wanted to get to the same point to where, uh, to improve the world, it's just one wanted to do it a little bit more with a uh, hammer than one. with uh, an outreached hand. So he wanted to choke more women to do it. That's true. He did. Uh, <laughs> Bloodsport mentions that Killmonger reminded him of Galvatron from the Transformers movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in many ways, in his philosophies and and how he wanted to go about things. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah, you know, because Galvatron and his twisted way his his mind he was just wanted to improve things for his 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 people did so, galvatron yeah. choke ro female robots there weren't that many in that movie though yeah there like, weren't many female robots <laughs> there's there was a lot more female characters in black panther than there were in transformers films all of them combined yeah, but they called him galvatron which sounds you know admittedly like the one drag queen transformer <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that Transformers movie. <laughs> so uh, Black Panther here, we, we talked about a lot of the main characters. Let's uh, talk just, uh, I don't want to go too late today, but let's talk a bit about uh, the female cast. Namely, we have the relationship between uh, T'Challa and uh, Suri, his uh, sister, who seems a bit completely different than everybody else in Wakanda. Andrew, what's up with Suri? <laughs> Uh, she appears to be like a teenager, but mm -hmm. like also just like the most brilliant scientist and engineer there is. It, you get the you get the impression that Shuri's responsible for a lot of what you see there in Wakanda as far as their advancements are concerned. Right. Uh, but if not that, then definitely the stuff that T'Challa is able to do. Um, 
it's just a great message just going like, man, what would they be without the women in this society? Right. <laughs> they're the ass kickers and they're the, you know, they're the, the tech people too. Uh, I was just, I was blown away. That was a part I was not expecting. I'm like, they weren't sidekicks. You know what I'm saying? They were like, they, what I said at the beginning, they were running shit. They were running yeah. every shit. Although my favorite though, you didn't ask me this, that car chase when the, when, um, you got Okoya and Nakia driving together. Mm-hmm. God damn, that could they could just make that whole movie like that. I want I want the I want what are they called the Dora Dora Milaje. Yeah, I want their movie like next. That needs to be it. I'm not going to another Marvel movie until the Dora Milaje movie. <laughs> just just about them and yeah. the general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I I'd watch that. Hell yeah! I mean, she used the freaking that oh that whole scene in in Korea. Wow. Let's talk about that action scene. First off, we've got Andy Circus just playing it up as Claw. He's just, he's like happy to have no motion capture uh, stuff on <laughs> yes. his face. But he still looks like Gollum no matter what. You ever notice that? <laughs> yes, totally. He's a Gollum looking motherfucker. I guess the Gollum is a circus looking motherfucker. I don't, I don't really know which is which. And <laughs> as much as we complain about the, the, the CGI battle at the end, the worst CGI that I felt in this movie, the thing that completely took me out of the movie was his freaking arm. His arm, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. They should have been able to do that at least. Can't y'all do like a mirror or something? Yeah. Like, why is that hard? <laughs> well, the thing is, you look at what they did for Furiosa in Mad Max, and you're like, you you can't do a little bit better work on his arm because yeah. oh. You know, I think uh, where it was taken off was probably that was the problem. Or yeah, it's it's where it's taken off. But still, this this fight scene where we get in the casino first off, where everybody's kicking ass, and, and then the ladies, yeah, they get in the car, they drive, and <laughs> oh man, Derek, what did you think about this action scene where the ladies are going after Claw? Uh I liked them. I didn't like the black panther flying through the air and all that nonsense but those two they worked together really well and they were fun and that shot where she throws that spear through the car and it sticks to the road and flips or i'm just like that's fucking badass <laughs> that shit is awesome i could i'm with andrew i could watch a whole movie of those two just buddy like almost like a buddy cop movie where they just go <laughs> around solving crimes and kicking ass well i mean in terms of the effects we've seen everything we've seen you know they're not going to show us anything new with effect let's face it but the people and the situation and that little whole section was like a spy movie that was the shit right there 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 were parts that felt like spy movie in here and yeah this fight definitely did have that paul how'd you feel about this whole fight scene with the in the car with the two ladies Oh, I felt like a kid again. I really did. I was like, I hey, I want I want a video game. Oh, I want PlayStation 5 to be one of those things where I can just hop into this virtual reality car simulator where I can chase, you know, Andy Circus all over the place. That's what I want. <laughs> what you get for being such a prick to all the visual effects people, you golem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Throw a spear at him like fucking dick. <laughs> And Andrew mentioned it earlier. None of the female characters, I think, at any time in here felt like sidekicks at all. No, no. They, f- they felt like just equal warriors in battle. And th- these two especially. I mean, when she sat there and she goes, 
<laughs> she sticks the spike and she goes, uh, you know, uh, give me a minute or whatever. And she, she crawls up onto the roof of the car. I'm like, Oh damn, <laughs> you know? And I love that because if you notice what they did, they have her on the roof of the car fighting. And then we cut between scenes of black Panther on the roof of a car fighting, you know, it means showing that they're equals in the way they fight. And, I think she was a little bit more badass than Panther, actually. <laughs> because, yeah, he had the energy suit where he could, you know, uh, destroy cars like that after he gets shot up a lot. Um, but even there, you have his sister driving the car virtually from Wakanda. <laughs> that whole sequence, that's probably my favorite action sequence, even more so than the uh, final battle, was just how that all played out from when the fight started in the casino all the way to the end. Um, I think that was one of the best sequences in this film personally. Yeah, I agree with you. That's my favorite sequence of the entire film. To be honest, we're just looking at a straight, like fun action scene. And I have to say more than any other character in the entire film. Okoye is like, she is the fucking movie yeah. for me. <laughs> like literally I could watch an entire movie of just her because mm -hmm. Black Panther, while he was a cool character, he kind of fell flat for me. Next to her, he definitely fell flat because she <laughs> is such a presence in this movie. Oh, she is. And and they even have that scene later on where they're fighting Killmonger as he's in his own Black Panther suit. And the ladies are taking it to him. Yeah. I mean, if he didn't have the energy suit... Andrew, if they didn't have the energy suit, they would have kicked his ass. Yeah, I mean, you know, but that's part of the character. You know, that's the superhero thing. You know, a lot yeah. of superheroes got that that kind of flaw or that kind of special thing that they got, you know. That, <laughs> but that was why it was so great where they shown them take that away from him in those challenges, you know. Mm -hmm. Where they, you know, he's stripped of all that shit and he just has to fight. It was important to see that and see what he could really do on his own, you know, just for illustration purposes, you know. Yeah. But it it also wouldn't have been believable for them to have been his honor guard, you know, the king's honor guard, had they not had the capability of being able to take down the king himself. Because why need an honor guard if the king can just, you know, they have to be That's more powerful point. than anything that can take out the king. So, yeah, oh, yeah. it made it more believable that they were that freaking awesome. <laughs> the best secret service. And yeah. I have to ask, because we have filmmakers here, did they add a little extra sound or something? Because every time they pounded the spear to the ground, I got chills every single time. Of course they did. Of yeah. course. I, I it's mean, called sound design. Well, yeah, I know. That's what made it so good. I mean, every time they did the, you know, the two beats on the ground like that, I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> like, yeah, but they didn't overdo it. Like in Scream, every time a knife comes out, you ever notice it sounds like a dump truck plowing into an aluminum plant? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Thought, they did. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say that the whole aspect of the spear is that makes you believe that that's also made of vibranium, and that you know that that's what they were kind of doing is that channeling that whole power of vibranium. Yeah, well, I mean, and they bring it up later too that the spear could take down the tank, mm. you know, because it was a, basically a sonic gun. Mm -hmm. So oh. cool. The, the, oh, the production design in this film was amazing. The way they had the weapons and the the outfits and uh, just everything. What, Derek, what did you think about the design of Wakanda and their technology and such and, and how that all worked? 
Uh, the idea of it was really awesome. The execution of some of it was a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed like a, a, a bit much, but I guess that's kind of the point. I, right. I liked... I wish we could have explored Wakanda a little bit more than than the one street in town. <laughs> right. And then and then the really bad CGI cliffside where they have their battles. Mm-hmm. Um but I think his his like James Bond layer, his bat cave was <laughs> was pretty cool. Um I I I hope in the next Black Panther movie we get to explore Wakanda a little bit more to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be cool to explore that city because we just get the top uh, surface kind of look to it. And, uh, you know, you, you've got the different style of ships, too, like the ones that kind of look like dragonflies. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool versus the transports. Uh, but, yeah, I would like to see more than just the one street of Wakanda. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of the production design overall with uh, the way they designed the weapons and, and the feel and the costuming and such? Oh, you know, uh, this is supposed to be science fiction action. These movies, I think, mm-hmm. technically is the category for most of them. And that really felt like some for real sci-fi world building to me. I like that because, um, you know, the, the older Marvel movies are all seem to be set, set in familiar locations and stuff. And, uh, you know, and then there's, of course, the ones in outer space and all that shit. Asgard. Guard, mm-hmm. ask, guard your ass. <laughs> I wear my ass guard. Nobody gets my ass. Gets me in the ass. The, um, <laughs> sorry, it's late. Uh, so I, I enjoyed that. You know, it made me think about real science fiction at that point. And I was like, you know, I'm reading a lot of these articles about Afrofuturism and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, holy crap! There's so you know another another mega layer of things that they're putting into this movie. And you know, just think about like, all right, well, how many tons of white movies have we seen? And white characters have we seen inhabit? these worlds that we've never seen before. And every time we get to them, we're like, and Whitey's here. <laughs> Look at this wonderful imagination we're using. And we can't imagine anybody but white people here. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, y'all know I'm telling the truth. It's y'all true. Truth. It's, it's true. <laughs> you know, all these mind blowing stories are like, we can think of anything. Look at this crazy ship. We came out full of whiteys. <laughs> Some limited ass imagination right there. <laughs> Paul, how about you with the production design of Black Panther, the uh, design of the ships and and the technology and the costuming and such? I have two things. Uh, One, I'm going to talk about the costuming. I uh, watched a documentary online about the costumes. I love the fact that they took actual real world tribal design things to influence the various tribes because uh, they tell you right off the bat, there's five tribes that make up Wakanda. And you really get to see that in the design of the people that you have people, uh, some people with neck, you know, uh, rings, you have people with certain types of designs in their, in their outfits and stuff like that. I just, I love the fact that they, they went to real world things and then tied that in and it just made it that much more grounded. And uh, the second thing I wanted to talk about was uh, when the trailer came out, a bunch of people were, posting these things that says, oh, it's possible that uh, Black Panther might be set in the future. And I'm like, (laughs) no, Wakanda is like one of the most technologically advanced societies on the planet in the Marvel Universe. And so I knew it wasn't going to be set in the future, but the design was so good and so futuristic that people believe that, oh, no, this movie has to be set in the future because there's no way that, you know, 
they can make that believable kind of city looking thing so futuristic so those are my two comments and and for me uh, i liked the uh, it really felt they put care in the design of the production of the super futuristic city of wakanda because it felt like just like the mentality of uh, many of the people there to where they were holding on to tradition even though they were working with completely modern and futuristic technology they still worked in tradition into everything they did in their architect you've got that one skyscraper that kind of has the hut design mm -hmm. built into the side you know like you would have seen maybe in in a tree or something you know in, in a in a, a tribal type setting you know in the rainforest only here it's on the side of a uh, skyscraper that's still futuristic looking and like you said the design of a couple of the ships look like uh, uh kind of like uh, dragonflies and you know you've got the paintings in the the bat layer if you will the you know <laughs> the cues area series uh, work area where you've got the painting that feels you know traditional painting excuse me worked into the technology and I liked how they did that because it fit. It, they built this world very well. Yeah. And, and it didn't look like Stark tech, which was hugely like important to me that it didn't look like Stark tech, that it looked like something that they would design based entirely on, you know, vibranium technology. They based it entirely on that. And it seemed so believable. If they would have incorporated things from other movies, it just would have been like, okay, they, they really you know, vibranium wasn't as important to them and, and so mm -hmm. forth. And the fact that they didn't do that was just a huge plus. Yes, it, it was uh, definitely a plus. And uh, I, it, it really just kept it standing on its own. And, and I loved it. I loved the visuals of this film, uh, which it may have me going back another time in the theater. Thank you, movie pass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I just want to mention, I think the music, uh, just really quick, the music in here felt, and I may be off, and uh, Paul, I'll ask you real quick, uh, this is probably my last question with, for the evening, is uh, the music in here, outside from different from many of the other Marvel films, this one, the music felt integral into almost every scene, and it felt like it was actually adding something versus just being background noise. Would you say that? That was true with this music, Paul? Uh, I would agree that it did add to it, but I, I always felt that movie movie scores in most of the Marvel films have been pretty spot on. So uh, I just think they continued their trend for me. But you're right. I mean, this film does incorporate a lot of the, the sounds that you would expect. And I, I enjoyed it. It really felt it felt very it, well it also felt it felt a little bit uh like uh traditional and then also had a modern tinge to it you know it's like wow they had this huge beat but then they incorporated it with voices and stuff like that and and so to me again it wasn't it wasn't something new it was my expectation had they done a poor job of it i would have hated that that part <laughs> you know i would have i expect it every time mm -hmm. i go i expect that level See, and I, I think some of the Marvel music has fallen flat for me and just been background noise to the action pieces, not really added much. Mm -hmm. uh, Derek, how about you with the music in the film? Well, you can thank Kendrick Lamar for that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I mean, he's the one who, who came up with a lot of the music. And if you're familiar with his music, you know it's adventurous. It, it's hip-hop based. There's a lot of big beats, um, but also it's a uh, traditionalist in a way that it recognizes its roots. So, I mean, you can definitely see where that influence came And I, 
Paul, if you haven't had the opportunity, there's a great video online, and I forget what the channel is, but it's a really famous channel uh, on YouTube that deconstructs a lot of um, cliches and tropes within Hollywood films and films in general that goes in depth onto why the Marvel Cinematic Universe's uh, scores <laughs> are some of the worst scores ever produced for big blockbuster films. And it goes into the fact that a lot of the themes within them in, in other films, like um, outside of the Marvel uh, cinematic universe, how people can actually hum some of them. Mm -hmm. But then on the street, when asked what, I mean, the biggest movie of the last few years, the guardians of the galaxy outside of the original soundtrack can you hum an actual song that came off of that outside of the mu music that was generated for that or a Thor movie? What was the theme of a Thor movie? Mm -hmm. What was the theme for Spider-Man? What was the theme for Iron Man? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. I mean, because it's all background music. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it works for the movie, but it right, also right. isn't it doesn't give it the sort of character that we're used to in some of these other films where Black Panther the sound it sounds like they were trying a little bit harder mm -hmm. to give it that kind of flair and character where if you contrast it with like say the avengers movies yeah i i would i would be thoroughly shocked if you could hum even two bars <laughs> of a song off of the avengers so look it up i i forget what it's called i i think you'll love that video mm -hmm. it's a I really will. interesting one yeah but yeah i love the music and uh, because mostly because uh, I like Kendrick Lamar's music. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was cool to get him involved and finally give one of these Marvel movies some like musical identity because most of them just don't No, And maybe it's because they're working up to Infinity War and so they can blend all the themes together and they'll fit. Who knows? Uh, but <laughs> I totally agree with oh, you. There, that would be a hot mess, though. <laughs> yeah, it would be. But. That movie, uh, well, I'll say my opinion for another day. Uh, Andrew, how about you and the music? This is good. I mean, I, I got the soundtrack in advance, um, mm -hmm. but I was just like, this is great. But like, I didn't realize it was also going to be, you know, a composer involved too. So right. the way that it's the same guy that did his other, other movies, this Swedish guy, I don't know his name, but like uh, the, the balance between the two when it was like the hip hop stuff didn't call attention away from it, mm -hmm. you know, and didn't go like score, score, here's hip hop song. It wasn't like that at all. I mean, it was mm -hmm. really seamless. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I thought it was great too. And probably one of the best, if not the best uh, soundtrack to actually come out of all the MCU films. I'm definitely going to be getting it because uh, I'm a big sound guy, uh, big soundtrack guy. And this one is just, it's awesome to hear you, it, and see it integrated. I mean, for me, the one scene where there, again, we go back to the casino where Okoye is, is kicking ass with the spear. The music immediately sets up that character and, and brings you into that action. And it's just, yeah. So I'll, I'll stop music geeking now. Uh, but <laughs> Also something my son noticed was there's a difference in the music on how they handled it between T'Challa and Killmonger. T'Challa had a more classical orchestral uh, theme, and he noticed that when T'Challa took like the throne in that, the music changed to where it was more of a modern-type feel to it. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, 
<laughs> and I and I might have to uh, pay attention to that again when the um when I see the movie again. So I think we're gonna wrap it up tonight on Black Panther. Uh, yeah, folks, go see this film. Uh, we'll go down the line real quick and have uh, our panel here give their final thought on Black Panther and also where you can find them at. So, Derek, go ahead. My final thoughts on Black Panther. I am extremely happy that they made this movie. I, I think that it's a character um, that has a, a pretty long history with, with Marvel, not as long as maybe some of the other characters that we're used to, like Spider-Man and, and things of that nature. But uh, it's good to see something different come out of the Marvel system. While I don't feel it is as radically different as a lot of people think, um, it's still nice to see something that's not the Avengers. Yes. I If, if anything... I am thoroughly sick of seeing the Avengers. <laughs> I, I, I like what they did with the last Thor movie. I hate everything they've done with Hulk. Um, Iron Man, I think we're ready to phase Iron Man out. I love. I just watched the first two Iron Man movies this weekend with my girls, and they still hold up and are great movies. But we don't need any of that anymore. I'm glad we're starting to phase out some of that stuff. And hopefully Infinity War does that where it kind of phases out some of these old characters because some of those actors just don't want to come back anymore or they're, you know, they're done with all this. And we start getting a new crop of different weirder characters. <laughs> I love that that's going to start happening. So I'm really glad they made this while it wasn't 100 percent exactly what I all was hoping for. I still enjoyed it. I'm still going to go see it again. I'm still going to support it. Um, it's good. I mean, I, I I know on on my podcast recently, Mark, we had talked about the American Ninja movies being like pizza, mm -hmm. where you, there's really no bad pizza unless you put olives all over the thing. Then right. you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> but but the these Marvel movies are just like, man, I can watch them all. I love mm -hmm. them, even when they're well, except for Thor two. That movie's awful. Yeah, but. Um, I liked it. It was it was good. So sorry I rambled on about that. But uh, you can find me on the interwebs at astroradioz.com. You can listen to Mark. You can listen to Paul. You can listen to Andrew. You can listen to all of us talk about much filthier things than <laughs> Black Panther on my podcast, Astro Radio Z. You can find it anywhere where you find podcasts, even on the YouTubes. So uh, go check it out. And thanks for having me on, Mark. You bet. Andrew, go ahead. Hey, my name is Andrew. Um, if you like watching some powered ladies running shit, you might like some of my movies I make. Um, just search for Gonzorific on uh, Amazon Video, Instant Video, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. I've made the two-star movie Space Boobs in Space, among other other things that uh, the conservative dudes really, really seem to hate. <laughs> Um, as far as Black Panther is concerned, I'm really, really happy that everyone came out for it. Uh, and I, I love that this movie is the whole world is going to be watching it and is watching it and what that's going to say, because honestly, the United States needs some things that make it look good to the rest of the world right about now. But um, also, um, I really hope everybody shows up for, you know, we 
Get Out was a huge box office success. Black Panther is a huge box office success. I hope to see it uh, continue um, with Wrinkle in Time, which is going to be coming up here, I think, this summer. Uh, that is by Ava DuVernay and also from Disney, uh, given a huge, huge budget to tell a, a story uh, where the central character is a person of color. So um, I would like, I'm, I'm interested and hopeful about the success of, for that film as well. Awesome. And Paul, how about you, sir? Uh, my final thought is I'm upset with a few of the fans of this film because they seem to have forgotten all about Blade, which I really liked. I liked that uh, series, and I, I, I'm disappointed that people forgot about uh, the importance of Blade in the Marvel Universe. Uh, but uh, that does not take away from this movie. This movie is fantastic. People need to see it. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, shame on you. You should see this. It's a good movie, uh, and it's worth seeing. Uh, it's a great character, always was a great character, and uh, and they did not make this a bad character, so they did a very good job. Uh, as for where they can find me, you can find me on the Film Jerks podcast each month, as well as on Facebook at the Forsaken Ferret Filmworks page. And I also invite everyone to go to uh, learn about the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Festival at newhorrorfest.com. Fantastic. Please make sure you check out all the work from all these fantastic folks who have been kind enough to come on our show here, the spoiler room to discuss black Panther. I love the film. I may go see it again. Yes. Go see this movie. It's, it's, it's a good superhero film. And as I've been saying all along, the best superhero films for me are the ones that make you forget you're actually watching a superhero film and that you're just watching a really good film. And that's what black Panther does. It makes you realize you're just watching a really good film. Uh, so go out and check it out uh, thank you all for uh, being on the panel tonight and I think uh, tonight we'll just say uh, it's easy what <laughs> just say I'm going to mute my mic wow okay. I just went and muted my own mic <laughs> I think for everyone I think I speak for everyone here when I say it, it's it, it. <laughs> Let's just have a good night, everyone. Say good night, all. Good night, all. Good night. Hey, all my Spoiler Room friends out there, if you like what you hear, why not head on over to iTunes and like, comment, and even subscribe to our channel. It always helps us out. Or you can find us on Stitcher Radio as well. You can drop us a tweet on the Twitter at Spoiler Room PDCS or Special Mark Pro. Look for us also on Facebook at the Spoiler Room Podcast or in the Special Mark Productions Facebook group. Let us know what movies or topics you'd like to be discussed in the Spoiler Room where the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.